When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. It's the Final Word Cricket Podcast with Adam Collins. And welcome to the third edition of our book club. Before getting into all of that, though, a couple of bits and pieces. Firstly, our live shows are coming up very soon. We're at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne on the 11th of December. Now, technically, I think it's now sold out, which we're chuffed about, but uh, keep an eye out because I believe there might be some more tickets being released in the next day or two. As for Sydney, a much bigger venue there at the Comedy Store on the 7th of January. That's the fifth night of the Australia-Pakistan Test Match Show. Get in there and help us sell out that one as well. All the details in the show notes and the tickets are to be found at our link tree. Also, a quick word for our great friends at Seabus Super who are with us for another Australian summer. For nearly 40 years, Seabus Super has been building and maintaining Australia. The success of the first industry funds, particularly Seabus, was extraordinary and set the standard for the many that followed. Learn more about them at seabussuper.com.au as they prepare to celebrate a big birthday in 2024. Of course, past performance is no reliable indicator of future performance. All right, last time around on the book club, we had Lawrence Booth and Nick Holt on talking about their baseball time at Lords. Now to cap off November, we welcome back another guest who's joined us many times in the past. Dan Liebke emerged as a cricket satirist in what we might now call, in hindsight, the glory era of Twitter. From his early days as the fake Nathan Horrocks to writing jokes in his own name, he's been a staple of that weird and occasionally wonderful part of the internet for over a decade. But in recent years, he's also become a prolific author, especially at this time of year. And each time he releases a book, we get him on, and this is no different, currently promoting his latest work, The 100 Funniest Moments in Australian Cricket. As a long-term believer that funny cricket is better than good cricket, to use his words, this is the book he was always destined to write, and it's great to have a good friend back on the pod. Dan Liebke, enjoy. It's the Final Word Cricket Podcast Book Club, Episode 3. I'm Adam Collins and sat opposite me in a cafe in Melbourne. Uh, well, we had one award-winning author uh, <laughs> in a cafe in Melbourne earlier this year, Gideon Haig, who sells a lot of books at Christmas. So there's this guy, returning guest Dan Liebke, the fake Nathan Horrocks. How are you going, Dan? I'm really good, Adam. How are you? All right, look, better for seeing you. It's my first time back in Melbourne for gosh, nearly 12 months, and the, my first assignment has been meeting up with you. We were going to do it outside in Flagstaff Gardens, but um, I, I realise now that the reason I'm not playing cricket right now is due to the rain, so arranging to do it, an interview in the rain wouldn't have quite worked, but uh, yeah, this is becoming something of a, a, an annual chat for us. You made an art form of the, 
the listicle style book, 50 greatest matches in Australian cricket, 50 greatest Australian cricketers, 10 greatest World Cup wins. Yep. And this, the latest release, the 100 funniest moments in Australian cricket. You've got this down pat. I have, and this is basically the original idea I pitched to the publishers. It's like, all right, let me write about funny stuff. And yeah. they're like, nah, nah, do, do these other ones. But uh, no, this, this, is, this has been the dream book all along. So I'm glad I finally got to get, get to do it. This has always been your mantra, hasn't it, that, that funny cricket is more important and better full stop than good cricket and, and, and thus this is where you get to express that in its fullness. Uh, I mean, where did the idea come from specifically when you were starting to want to write books to do something like this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think cricket is such a funny game. I, I, and, you know, I've been a comedy writer for almost 30 years now. Yeah. Like, that's been my thing. So, you know, when I started you know, tweeting about cricket. I was really just, I'll, I'll do some jokes on this and I kind of never expected it to be become my main comic outlet. But, right. uh, but now that it has, you know, I couldn't be, couldn't be happier. And yeah, this, this book has just been unnatural. And the process of sifting through seemingly infinite examples, and we'll do a little bit of that in a minute, but, you know, the way in which you had to work out what was going to fit where and ultimately put it into all this. This must have taken some work because it's not as though you're short of options. No, no, plenty of options. I, I crowdsourced as many as possible because <laughs> the, the last thing I wanted to do was write this book and then have somebody go, oh, but what about this? And go, oh, no, oh, no, I completely forgot about that one. So I got as many as I could. And then, yeah, it was a big, great big spreadsheet full of thousands of ideas and for more than a hundred, well more than a hundred. So I was just like, all right, how can I cram as many of these into the book as possible? Before we get into the book itself, can you believe it's been a decade since we all kind of came, even longer really, with Twitter, all yeah. came into each other's orbit, in, in your case and my case, through White Line Wireless and mm. so on. And, and you started that originally, well, you were a part of that originally with Jeff too, with Raw Radio. But it's been now quite a long time where you've been not just writing books, but been part of the wider cricket ecosystem. Yeah, it's, it's really strange, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, I, I was just an idiot on a couch tweeting stuff out. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, like, you, you, know, you know, for all the faults of Twitter and social media, I, I can't deny that it's, you know, help me find well help me find my partner in cat yeah and yeah. Uh, you know it's it's brought brought together you know people like yourself all these other people that i would otherwise never have even known existed do you grieve a little bit for twitter i mean i find myself we might talk about this a little bit in a few of the examples you raise in in the 100 countdown but and by that i mean what it was and, yeah. and what it constituted back then and, and until relatively recently and, and what it's evolved into in maybe the last three or four years? Yeah, that's, it is very sad because there, there was a time when it, it was just so much fun. And, it, you know, it's mostly around some, some of these great comic eras. Like, mm. I, I, rem I fondly remember, you know, Homework Gate and just like, right. oh, my God, what, what on earth are they doing over there? And then you, you rolled into the 2013 Ashes and 2013-14 Ashes where just mad stuff was happening all yeah. the time. It was so much fun to, you know, interact with all these people. And you, I just don't think you get that. You get more angry people than funny people these days which is really sad because it was a shared experience right like mm. uh, there are so many things like uh, uh, that decision sucked ass yes. bullshit being one that often comes up from the 2013 ashes in yep. England but yeah, great days on the internet yeah. which we spend so much of our lives on the internet whether we like it or not yeah. that having this outlet where there were people with these not only sh a shared interest of cricket that's existed before in forums and, mm. and other ways of spending time with people but um, actually living it in real time on social media th th there was something special there and and there still is. I don't want to say yeah. it's completely over, but so many people have either left the platform out of protest or, or stopped 
posting because they feel like the, the platform's no good anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, and I still remember in that 2013 Ashes, you know, tweeting about Ashton Agar and a very young and at that time still very injured Pat Cummins is on there tweeting along with me. It's yeah, just like, yeah. This is, this is amazing. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, right, so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to pick out some of your uh, 100 countdown at random. I'm, I'm not going to... Um, th- th- there really is no rhyme or reason to the ones I've picked out, just yeah. what tickled me. Yeah. And, and many others tickled me too, but uh, here we go. Coming in last at number 100, which <laughs> really like who comes last in the Melbourne Cup, you kind of remember that more than who, who came seventh or something like that. Steve Waugh's celebration at the Oval when bringing up his 100 in 2001, not known, as you say in your book, as a funny guy, but 19 days after tearing his hamstring, mm. missing a test match, insisting upon his return and coming full circle, of course, after everything that he achieved in England in, in 1989 and and the Twin Tons in 97 and all that success, but desperately wanting to get back and then ending with his face in the dirt at the Oval making it 100. Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was a great moment because, uh, 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 you know, as I say in the book and as you just said, you know, very much an unfunny cricketer. Not, not at all, no humour at all. All he wanted to do was win, win cricket matches and that was pretty much it as far as I could tell. But, yeah, that, that 100 at that, you know, in that, that particular game, he busted his hamstring, you know, two tests earlier, yep. came back and then, you know, tore himself to pieces again. He was basically could barely move in the end, Glenn Maxwell style, yes. and, and eventually got to the 100 by this kind of staggered, stumbling single that he pu- pulled, pulled, uh, pulled his partner through for mm, mm. and ended up face first in the ground. But instead of getting to his feet and raising his bat just now, nah, I'll just lift the bat up like a, like a periscope. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that, that's how I'll, I'll raise the bat. So, yeah, a, a fine way to start. And his batting partner was his brother, of course, when he brought up that 100, which adds to it given the history they had in the 90s and, all, mm. and so on. I like that it's not just about what's happened in the era that we're referring to. They're the more modern era. It nods to history. Like, for example, at number 97... This story I'd never heard of before, Jack Ryder being dumped from that series, that trip to England, by the selection panel which he sat on. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a book about Titch Friedman the last couple of days, which Caroline Swan bought for Jeff, which I'm bringing home for him, which got raised on Storytime. But we missed out on Titch playing in that series, but it could have been Titch versus Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, these are the kind of the ones that, you know, thank goodness for crowdsourcing because I wasn't sure I knew right. a lot of these older time ones and, you know, stuff like this where it comes up and then you do, do the research and you know this from story time. It's just yep. like you get into all the all this olden time stuff. It's just like, what on earth were they doing? I, I You know, you could, you could write a book. You know, I could, could have done this entire book with moments, you know, from... Yeah, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Right. Because yeah. they were making it up as they went along. We just don't have, uh, <laughs> don't have YouTube footage of it uh, to, to back it up. But, yeah, some great, great stuff there. Before the game was hyper-professional as well. I mean, take yeah. Tim Zura bowling in 93 Ashes. <laughs> it's another one we all kind of know now. Yeah. Great quiz question, isn't it? Who led the mm. Australian bowling averages in the 93 yeah. Ashes? Well, the, the reserve wicketkeeper bowling <laughs> leg breaks, averaging 20. Yeah, certainly taught that young punk Shane Warner thing or two. Imagine just the scenario where, let's say Tim May stepped on a cricket ball before the fifth or sixth test match when Zura was bowling in all of the Zura games. Uh, Dare to dream. I mean, just to think about the magic that would have been worn at one end and Zura (laughs) at the other. Zura at the other end. That would have been wonderful. Yeah, not quite though. Another one that I learnt something about here in the 90s was with Neil Harvey. This famous hundred Mm. in Sydney that gets him on the boat to the 1948 Ashes, his first century as a teenager. That's about all I knew of it. Mm. I knew of the significance of Bradman in that innings as well. But Harvey making a century, but getting there... 
with an all run five. Yeah, this was amazing. I, I mean, I, I went through that entire test. There are all kinds of crazy things in that test, mm. but the, that was the one that kind of stood out to me. It was just like an all run, like an all run four is impressive enough. An all run five is just crazy. And to bring up a century is just, yeah, he must have. I, I don't know what the fielders were doing, but he must have been going like the wind. Uh, I, I like that Luke Pomersbatch gets mentioned <laughs> for his um, uh, his debut from, well, the car park, as it were, being told <laughs> yeah. that that's to me him making his debut when they didn't have another player in the squad to fill in despite being a spectator and being suspended yes. by WA at the time yeah, for, yeah. I guess, in his Chemical Brothers days and so on at WA. But, you know, there's this piece here about, like, when was the last good day on Twitter? That would have been a great day that would have been on, a, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. now, maybe Elite Honesty was the last great day on Twitter, speaking of that WA Elite theme. Honest, yeah, there, there are a few in the Langer era. Yeah, and, and I like that Grant Baldwin got a mention in that in that too as far mm. as unexpected call-ups Grant Baldwin being yes. the Australian assistant manager who we all kind of knew a bit on the tour you know lovely fella mm. also worked as the massage therapist <laughs> across his myriad duties and, and he was such a good fielder that they called him up to to come on the ground in, in the first day first night day test night, match yeah. in 2015 yep. yeah yeah I mean and that, that was kind of my hack for getting around these things where there were more than a hundred so I was just like alright I'm going to combine a few of these I'll take an archetypal example as the, as the main one but <laughs> then I'll have you know other, other great you know, substitute moments and I'll chuck that in the bombers back one. You couldn't miss the Mercantile Mutual Cup, though, and uh, <laughs> when Victoria got rid of their trousers in 94, 95, I was a 10-year-old boy and thought it was the coolest thing ever that uh-huh. they were wearing shorts. And there was a clip that Rob Alinda, bless, and he's back in business on, on Twitter, yes. again, that platform right now. Ian Harvey bowling, Darren Berry legside stumping, wearing the shorts. The shorts. I mean, can you name a more iconic uh, 90s moment than that for the Merc? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic stuff from the... Uh from the you know, Victorian side uh, to let us see the players' calves. I mean, you, you don't get to see it so so much. And yeah, they, they said, nah, here you go, here's Merv, here's calves. Have a, have a gander at him. I think one piece of the Nathan Lyon storyline that's a little bit misunderstood is the nice Gary thing, which comes mm. in at 81, and the humour of that being that, Am I right in remembering, Dan, that it was the ball that the whole crowd was meant to say, nice, Gary, he took a wicket? Yes, yeah. So uh, there was something, uh, and we only learned this after the event, or I I only learned it after the event, but apparently, you know, all all these Facebook groups were organising beforehand, you know, on the third ball of his first over, we're all going to shout out, nice, Gary, because that had become the meme, thanks to, you know, Matthew Wade screaming it at every delivery, no matter how nice or not nice it was, it was always a a nice Gary. So the crowd was all pumped up and ready to do it on the third delivery as, you know, this sneaky plan. Then he took a wicket anyway and, uh, you know, basically, you know, they, they just burst into laughing instead because he, he trumped them with the, with the nicest possible delivery. Yeah, and what's lost in all of that was that could have easily been his final test match. Mm. If you remember the, the whole narrative around Steve O'Keefe tearing his calf and yep. Lyon was on the cusp of being dropped for Bowbell on the final day. But yeah, I remember going outside to watch the nice Gary moment with Jeff and Christmas night historically for Jeff and I has been quite a hefty one yep. and we were worse for wear uh, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, couldn't believe that it quite played out. You've always been a great advocate for women's cricket mm-hmm. and there are lots of examples of the women's game that, that find its way into this book including Elisa Healy when she was sledged by Pinam Yadav, the, the, the pint-sized leg spinner in the 2020 T20 World Cup final in front of nearly 90,000 people. Yep. Uh, I guess and then of course the, the Healy riposte which was to laugh at her because yes. you knew she'd won the bloody game already yeah, yeah. but I guess with Healy she He's the character in that women's side you've got the most to work with on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Alyssa Healy... I mean, you can see it when she commentates. I was just watching the WBBL semi-final, whatever it's called, the Illuminator, whatever it was called last night as we record this, and uh, she was on commentary. And she's just such a natural... She's just a naturally, you know, funny person. So, yeah, she's obviously loves, loves playing the game. 
and and why not <laughs> when she could do things like she did in that, that World Cup final. Yeah, those big characters are what draw us back constantly. And WG Gracie's reputation continues to grow and yeah. uh, in different ways. Well, well, over a century now since his death. Yeah. But uh, I must admit, kidnapping a cricketer. Um, <laughs> I, I think I, I think this might have come up on Storytime once before. But reading your more detailed account, that is the most unusual way to spend the morning. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, Billy Midwinter. This was yeah, you know, way back when, and, and yep. Australia decided, yeah, he, he can have a bat for us. And uh, you know, Midwinter was. Flip-flopping back and forth between England and Australia yep. in those days. He started with one team, went to the other, came back again. And uh, But, you know, had, he had some deal with... I, I can't actually remember the, the, the county off the top of my head, but he had a deal with them and... Uh, the Australians decided they'd select him, and that that wasn't good enough. <laughs> w Grace showed up and said, "No, you're coming back. You're going to yeah, you're playing for, play for Gloucestershire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to play against the Australians or play for the Australians against yeah. Middlesex at Lords and and so on across the river at the Oval. And again, this is back to that glory era of social media. I think anyway, 2013 and the pitch pissing party. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, this, again, it's this a story that broke in real time, right? Like the journos who were still in the press box. I think cricketers sometimes forget that reporters are there yeah. for many, many hours after the game is finished and we've been the beneficiary as journos being there writing up our yarns or, or working on podcasts or whatever it is yeah. when, when stuff that happens that shouldn't happen and so it was in 2013 I think it was now Con wasn't it who, I think so yeah who saw yeah. out the window the players were up to something yeah so yeah so they decided they'd celebrate winning the Ashes by, by just pissing on the, on the pitch and, and why not <laughs> fair enough too back to Lords we're going back and forth a bit here a game that is kind of irrelevant but quite influential in the way that Jeff and my story got moving the the Lords one day are at 2015, mm-hmm. Australia and England. So after the Ashes, very much yep. the focus of the cricketing world had moved on when the one day has started. But Jeff and I were still new to the whole thing and we were keen to absorb and be there to cover as much as we could. And we convinced the ABC to let us start making videos, yep. satirical videos. And we had this moment from heaven, really, where Ben Stokes was given out obstructing the field where mm. Mitchell Stark and his follow-through tried to peg down the stump. Stokes put his hand out to stop it. And, you know, people speak of the booing at Lords this year, and I was there for that too, and it was bloody loud. Yeah. But the booing in 2015 was just as loud, I reckon. The punters were screaming for half an hour afterwards, and Smith was completely unapologetic. Yeah. So unapologetic that this got raised after sandpaper as evidence, <laughs> even back then, that he wasn't a fit and proper character to be captain of Australia. Yeah, and of course, Stokes, much like uh, Mr. Bairstow, was out of his crease at the time. So, yep. of course, you can have a shot of the stumps. And, uh, you know, maybe Bairstow should have... Chucked his, if he was aware, he should have chucked his hand behind and de- deflected Carey's away. But, of course, <laughs> in doing so, he would have been back in his crease. So, yeah. less point of that. But, yeah, so Stokes just deflects the ball away. As you said, everyone loses their mind. And for no clear reason. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, was it just a reflex? He didn't, mm. didn't willfully intend to do it. It's like, well, come on. I've seen Ben Stokes do all kinds of things in split-second reactions. I'm pretty sure he could uh, poke out a hand and stop a cricket ball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the night we did that video, we, we'd lost our microphone cable in the back of a taxi, like... <laughs> three or four days earlier yep. classic Jeff and me back in that era so we, we were using the mic but if you look carefully in the video it's not connected to anything it's <laughs> right. just a prop it's like anyway uh, one that I, I thought about your publication date here um, you've got at 63 Mad Mick Lewis's None for 113 mm, being yeah. the record of course that was since overtaken yes. by Adam Zampa or equaled by Adam Zampa and yep. overtaken by Baz Delita and that of itself Zamp's response to Maxwell going nuts and taking Delita down yep. for 28 off and over and worsening those figures that would surely make a second edition I mean yeah. he, he cared more about that than he did about <laughs> Maxie's 40 ball ton yeah yeah that, that was fantastic and you know I, I still think there's 
something special about Mick Lewis, even even though it has been overtaken. He held the record for so long yeah, in yeah. an era where you know run rates were just going through the roof. He he just held on to it forever and ever. And uh, yeah. A fantastic effort. I find it interesting now that, as well, that um, I think the great cricketer had Zampa on. He spoke about the text exchange between Zampa and Lewis. Yeah. Talk about unlikely bedfellows. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I, I can't imagine two, uh, two personalities more different than that. Going back in time a little bit to 84, 85, when Jeff Lawson is at 62. Mm. Jeff Lawson standing on his stumps twice to the Windies. Yeah. And Dick French giving him not out twice, just putting the bales back on at yeah, square leg as the umpire. We as Australians, I think, over the journey have given a lot of shit to a lot of umpires when Australia have been abroad, especially mm. India, Pakistan in yeah, that yeah. controversial era. Goodness gracious me, you wouldn't have wanted to have been an overseas batter walking out in a test match in Australia back in the 80s. No, there was definitely a reason why uh, DRS has been a godsend. Because this, this is amazing. I, I, I hope uh, that that footage is still exists uh, you know, somewhere on the internet because he literally just treads on his stumps and you know they they look around the West Indies kind of give a half-hearted appeal the first time and then the second time just like come on he keeps He's out. on his stumps why, <laughs> yeah. why is he not out the umpire just trots in I'll just straighten that up for you I don't know what he thought was happening but you know it's not as if the stumps are being blown half over he's he's like because the, the stumps are at an angle he's he's hasn't just you know clipped the bail off with his yeah. back pad i also wonder whether like jeff lawson he he, he played the game hard mm. but also fairly and and he's a great man henry i wonder whether like he just was like confused by the whole thing like, yeah. it, it, rather than doing anything malicious so that used to be a one of Robert Linder's most clicked YouTube videos, didn't it? Yeah, Which yeah. Hopefully it'll... Yeah. I mean, the, the, the great thing about that too is, uh, you know, that you know, he, he treads on them and yeah, he just stares back, smiles. It's very reminiscent of uh, the great man WG Grace. Yes. Like, oh, I'll keep going. Doesn't matter. Yes. Another with that kind of personality is the big ship, Warwick Armstrong, who tried to take the piss when he could. I think it's reasonable mm. to, to assume yep. if you've read Gideon's book that would give that strong impression, including the, the series of Ashes series of 1921, where I, I didn't really have this in my head that there was a convention where you didn't declare an innings closed within 100 minutes of the close of play. Yeah. And Armstrong, as rather England tried to do so, mm. Armstrong said, no, you don't. It's within 100 minutes of stumps. And due to the kerfuffle, he was in a position to hoodwink the umpires into bowling an over before the delay mm. and an over consecutively after the delay. It would yep. have sent statisticians who monitor this stuff 100 years later into a total tiz. Yeah, yeah, this, this is great stuff from, from, um, from him. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 just, I just love the fact... That, well, firstly, I love the fact that the declaration guidelines and rules were just so convoluted at the yeah. time. It's just like, oh, no, you can't do this. It's the third day and 100 minutes before this and eight wickets down. So, well, you can't do this or you can do it. But, yeah, so there's a massive argument about this. And, yeah, as you say, managed to sneakily get back in for, I'll, I'll just bowl another over. No, no one really remembers who bowled the previous over, do they? And what about when Dino tried to do something similar in a, in a one-day international? It's in the same, mm. it's in the same school of uh, shithousery. Yeah, yeah. So uh, are you talking about where, where he tried to take a bye? To where he tried to um, face two consecutive Executive balls despite taking a bye. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, he was this was when AB and Dino yep. went went crazy and they, they got the score above 300 if you can imagine such a thing <laughs> in an ODI. And AB had already brought up his century. Dino was on 99 from what he thought was the last ball, and he, he you know went went down the leg side and they ran it by anyway because last ball. Oh well, I missed it. That's a shame. And then that, that's when the umpire called wide and he realised, oh no, I'm at the wrong end. I can't face the last <laughs> ball. And then he's kind of gesturing to AB. He's just like, come on, come on, let's sneak back. Let's see if I can get back here. And uh, yeah, wonderful stuff from That's Dino. good corporate memory for you. You might be showing your age a bit there too, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I like, you didn't just restrict it to on-field stuff either. There's commentary, uh, mm. Ricky Ponting singing 
the Mark War yeah. Barmy Army song. Now, my theory on this is that it's the best Barmy Army song. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Mark War is an Aussie. He wears the baggy cap. And when he saw the bookies, he said, I'll have a bit of that. He shared it out with Warney. They went and had some beers. And when the ACB found out, they cuffed that up for years. That's genuinely funny. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether the Barmy Army these days, and you'd have a better sense of this than me being a satirist and humorist, have a reputation of being as funny as they once, wore, once were. I, I, the, the, the problem is that if it's not funny, just the sheer repetitiveness of it just kind of grinds you down. It's like, oh, come on. I, I, I've heard that one. And I've heard that one. And it may have been funny, mildly funny the first time. It is no longer funny anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it is very hard to come up with new material on a constant basis. So I, I do sympathise. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, yeah, if you find a good one, stick with that. If, you, if they're not so great, you know, ditch it from your repertoire pretty quickly would be my suggestion. Uh, the precursor to the Barmy Army, well, the, the tour before that anyway, 1990-91, up at 26, you got the Phil, T- Phil Tufnell uh, fielding masterclass that went mm. around the country and really dominated. Like, it's one of the enduring memories of that series more than three decades ago. It's probably made tough as a lot of money yeah. as well, given yeah. the, the expanded reputation he had as a, a consequence as a funny dude around the game. But, you know, like, th- th- there, was, there was definitely a, a vibe around England, a smaller number of England tourists coming to Australia and being quite funny compared to now where it's a, a different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, you know, that, that Tufnell masterclass, like, he just became a synonym for bad fielding. Yeah. I, was, I was like, I, I remember I was a kid playing in the backyard. Yeah. An older kid at that stage. But, you know, <laughs> it was still, you know, you're doing a Tufnell, like you do a wild throw, you're a Tufnell. It's, yeah. a, it's just yeah. like he, he just became infamous for his fielding. It's like if you take a specky, it's still a capper, right? Yeah. You know, all these years later. Women's domestic cricket getting mm-hmm. a run here via when, uh, Sarah Coit uh, taking uh, five wickets in and over in a WNCL last year to, to win a game for South Australia. Similarly from last year's domestic cricket, uh, you got the 15 all out from the Thunder and Alex Carey, not domestic cricket, but mm. also in 2022, falling in the pool. They all yes. get closer towards the pointy end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you've been blessed with quite a lot of stuff happening in the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, you know, as we as we mentioned before, stuff that's happened since the book went to print as well. You know, you mentioned the Bear Star, you mentioned the you know Angelo Matthews timed out. That wasn't Australian, but still, there's so much funny stuff going on all the time. How did you manage that, like with your publication date and knowing that people will probably have an interest in the Bear Star? Your take on the Bear Star thing, for instance, is yeah. there is there well, provision? This isn't my first rodeo, so <laughs> I, I actually left a slot in there where people can write in if, if they think I've missed a funny moment, despite my best efforts, or after the book has gone to print, you can there's a there's a page in there you can write in your own funny. <laughs> moment and say that one belongs in there if you like you can cut up the book and rearrange it buy yourself a few copies if you like cut them all up and you know rearrange it into whatever order makes you happiest do you know, do you know what i thought in the past what would we do we're going back to 47 48 here what would we do if not for vinu mancad like if it's not him right <laughs> yeah. we've got so much to be thankful for someone else would have done it eventually yeah. other people did do uh, it yeah, before yes, him yeah. of course but there would have been another high profile example in a test match that in all probability the, the name of that bowler would have mm. um, been synonymous with the mode of dismissal for years later I always find it such a satisfying word to say man cat rolls off word. the tongue yeah. and the merciless abuse that we cop for using it even though it's clearly a term of endearment yeah. for people like you and yeah. me still put that to one side mancad comes in at 30 and rightly so yes yeah I, I i did make a rule right at the beginning of the book that you know if there was anything that made people angrier than more more people angry than were amused by it then what wasn't included so sadly that means underarm misses out because <laughs> people still get too cross about that uh, as far as i'm concerned you know cameron bancroft shoving sandpaper down his pants still makes people angry so they're yeah. not in there yeah. but i did make an exception for the for the mancad because 
I, I, I struggle to believe that people are, are still angry about the man cat. Come on, it's, it's a proper dismissal. It's funny. It's a good rule to have there because, I mean, underarm is funny, but it's essentially an industrial dispute played yeah. out on a cricket ground, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. There's a whole other vibe going on there. Yeah. Is, I'd love to talk to Greg. I have interviewed Greg about it, but for mm. a magazine, not for the podcast. In hindsight, right. I should have had the, the recorder on, maybe one day. Getting towards your top 20, Dizzy's double ton, had to get it in there somewhere. I think I lost in this, I mean, I know it, having gone back through it with your book, but it was his farewell yeah. test match. He got yeah. back into the side in 2006, having lost his spot during the 2005 Ashes, had mm. a big 05-06 Sheffield Shield and earned his way back into the Aussie 11. But all those greats he overtook in the process, all those top scores <laughs> he went beyond, I mean, it, it beggars belief even nearly 20 years later. Yeah, and the fact that he knew them all too was just magnificent. Yeah. He's just checking them all off. Sorry, Mark Ward, you're in my rearview mirror. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, obviously, eventually, he even goes past Steve War. He goes past all these greats. I did like that, you know, Hussey was batting with him at the yes. time. And, you know, Hussey was just like, oh, buddy, oh, I've got to keep scoring runs, otherwise he's going to overtake me too, which he eventually he did. did. Yeah, He did, of course but, uh, he did. Yeah, great, great stuff from Dizzy. And 21, we have to mention 21 because this is a Maxi Loving day. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure when I'm releasing this, but I know that when I woke up this morning, the first <laughs> thing I saw was a couple of graphics relating to his 48 ball, 104 now out, which is just what he's doing at the moment, yeah. right? What a tour he's enjoyed or what a, what a trip he's enjoyed to India. But 10 years before, well, nine years, it'll be 10 mm. years next year, a decade roughly. There's the day when he left the ball that went onto his middle stump in a big bash game in 2014. I mean, that was the same year that he had his double wicket maiden to mm. win a game where they had one run to defend yep. at a one-day international. Tonight he went for 30 runs in one over, very <laughs> Maxwellian there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that letting the ball go onto the stumps. Maybe we should do something for the 10 years, like mm. a, a reenactment. Maxie's the kind of guy who, I think if we asked him <laughs> politely and, and he knew the vibe, he probably would do a reenactment for be, us. Yeah, yeah def- you've got to do that. Yeah. You have to do that because that... I mean, to me, that sums up Glenn Maxwell. You, yeah. you never, like, you don't know whether it's going to be the most ridiculously bad thing you've ever seen or the most ridiculously brilliant thing you've ever seen. You just know it's going to be something amazing whenever Glenn Maxwell steps onto a cricket field, and that, that's why we love him. Is he's he's playing this kind of supercharged form of cricket where it's just like nothing mediocre. I'm not going to you know, <laughs> grind out a you know 70 ball. 45 or something, it's just like, nah, I'm going to do something amazing, or I'm going to be out first ball doing something stupid, and God bless him, I love him so much. As do I, and you must feel some enduring pride over the Maxwell Ball hashtag, right? I mean, that is your baby. Yeah. I remember I wrote about it in 2015 when he <laughs> made like a, a 60 ball 80 odd mm. that leads in a one day, that one day series that yep. I was referring to earlier, 2015, and I, I tried to explain to the best of my ability then, mm. what Maxwell Ball constituted and, and used, your, used your tweets as a, a threshold, yeah. as a starting point, you could say, for that. But, you know, people all over the world now say that whenever he tees <laughs> off. That must make you feel good. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it's basically, you know, it was just... Because, like, like I just said, like he, it seemed to me when, he first, when I first became aware of him that he was playing something kind of beyond cricket yeah, and it yeah. deserved its own name. And, you know, Maxwell Ball is as good a name as any. It deserves to be named after the great man. So I don't know whether he likes it, hates it, doesn't know a thing about it. I don't really care. Oh, he'd know. I, I, I he'd love know. It. He'd know. I'm pretty sure he would know. And, like, don't you think this is the other thing about Maxie? Sorry to go on a bit of a tangent here, but we might as well. Everyone's kind of along for the ride now. Yeah, like, yeah. for so many years, it felt like there were the... There were those like us who were going to not be apologists for him, but kind of, I feel like we understood what was going on with him because we paid so much attention. And those who might have viewed him through spreadsheet columns and like, well, hang on, there's there's a disparity there that doesn't warrant, you know, further inclusion in Australian teams, for example. Yeah. But now it's like that light bulb moment has hit 
albeit deep into his career, that that he is something different altogether. Yeah, and like, yeah, you, you, you keep him in the side not for not for the first ball dismissals. You keep him in the side for the two hundred the double century that wins you a game from nowhere. Yeah, like, he could do that, and you know, as we saw, you know, last night as we record this, he's done it again, and he can do it, you know. When no, nobody else in cricket could do the things that he does. Mm. And that, that's why it's worth persevering with. And that takes us to the top 20. And guess what? That's where I'm going to stop our conversation. Because yep. I thought that would be a nice way of leaving some suspense for the reader. Because mm-hmm. the risk in these interviews, yes. I think we might have fallen foul of it last year. You end up itemising everything that's in the top 10 or whatever. And it leaves no mystique there. But I can say that there's, without spoiling it, there are, there's some sort of tragic comedy in mm. there in the top 20. Some obvious. Some less so. Some Stuart Broad. Who, who doesn't get mentioned until the pointy end, but you yep. give him his due worth as, I guess he's something of a, a guiding light to you now, Stuart Broad, isn't Stuart he? Broad. Made you a lot of money, probably, Stuart <laughs> Broad. And I didn't have the number one pegged at all. Mm. If I was making a list of 100, this may not have even come to me, what you put yep. as number one. So I think that's a good thing, that there's a surprise at the end. And um, do the sell bit. Uh, who's your publisher? Where are you selling it? What's the story? Uh, so it's available. It's out in bookstores at the oh, moment. Great. So it's... Uh any good bookstore, any bad bookstore, walk into a bookstore, you can get it. Uh, you can also uh, get it online if you like. Uh, go to liebcricket.com slash 100funniest. That's 100funniest. Yeah. We'll put that link in. The, is that the, easy, the best link that's, for the show that's notes? A, that's the easiest Leib link. Cricket will be in the show notes to yep. buy it. And, uh, yeah, and you can get it, you know, get, get it for your loved ones who love cricket, your hated ones who hate cricket. Get it, get it for everybody for Christmas. It's a, it's a, it's a good book. It's the perfect stocking filler yeah I looked at my dad's bookshelf yesterday when I got back to my parents house in Birigara and detected that there are many books just like your books that I've bought my dad for Christmas yeah. over the years and this will yeah. be a perfect addition to the collection this Christmas have you got your um, brain ticking over to what you're going to do for the Christmas after Christmas 2024 I, I am I am halfway through writing next year's <laughs> book so yeah I, I never I, you know can't stop won't stop brilliant uh, Dan Liebke you might be one of the guests who've been on the show more than anyone else we love your company we love every Thing you bring to the game, your energy, your humour, your spirit. Uh, thanks for writing this. Everyone go out and buy it. Dan Leapke, thank you. Thank you very much. Final word with Adam Collins. Thanks again, Dan Leapke. Great to have him on the show. Um, after we stopped recording, I reminded him that the final word 11 is going to be taking the field against the Royal Park Reds at Brunswick Street Oval this Sunday afternoon, so the 3rd of December. It's a 30-over game beginning at 1pm, so Dan's going to swing by and you can too. It's shaping up as a another great day. Remembering that across about I think half a dozen fixtures now between Australia and England. We're yet to be beaten, so there's a bit to play for for us. And Jeff's going to be leading that team. I'll be part of the ranks. And if you're enjoying the many and varied shows that he and I are making at the moment, please consider jumping on at patreon.com forward slash the final word to join our world more formally. We've got plenty planned across the Australian summer and into 2024 for our patrons who we love very much. And on that, the next episode in our feed will be story time on Saturday, where we tell the tale of the history of our game through the numbers of our final word crew get in there at patreon.com forward slash the final word all right thanks for listening and back in a couple of days with story time i had to go about-